Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fourth episode of Do I Have Your Attention? In this episode, we get to listen to an interview I did with Ben Scarfbillig. He is the owner and operator of a full-scale film production company here in the Valley. This conversation was a really good conversation because we focused on a lot of aspects that have not currently been talked about in the show. So I hope you guys enjoy. Tune in and let me know what you think. Thank you. Good morning, Ben. How you doing? Good, Avery. How are you, sir? Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. So, can we start off by you introducing yourself and kind of what you do? Absolutely. My name is Ben Scharfberg. I am a owner-operator here in Phoenix in the film and video market. Uh, long and the short of it is I drive a van for a living and I do physical labor. So, uh, the glory of the film industry and the, and the mystique, a lot of it comes down to hard work, physical labor, and moving equipment around. <laughs> so all while trying to capture beautiful images and tells people's stories. So that's what I do. I try to tell people's stories uh, on film and video. I do a ton of work in the sports, professional sports world. And uh, yeah, I'm a small business here in Phoenix. Like you said, we're in the van doing a little yeah, bit. Yeah, of- this is my office. I don't, uh, as a freelancer, um, I don't have a whole lot of infrastructure. I don't have a physical business address or an office space. My office is my van. Six to seven days a week, you're going to find me driving around in my van, going to work on different shoots all over the valley. Um, I, in my van is, is my home base. I take meetings in the van. I go to, you know, shoots. It has all my equipment, and it's, uh, it's kind of my lifeline. So okay. I call it silver because I'm kind of a lone ranger, and it's my majestic white stallion. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's another way that when I meet people, if they understand what who Silver is and they know that character the Lone Ranger they're, they're from the older generation and they, they get a chuckle out of it but you gotta name your vehicle when, uh, when it means this much to you yeah I get it I understand yeah. so let's start at the beginning how did you get into film um, what brought you to Phoenix uh, graduated high school I'm originally from Minnesota I graduated high school in 2000 uh, came out to Arizona State University Blue Skies and Sunshine uh, it was the exact opposite of what I grew up in and it was an opportunity for me to get out and, and see the world. You know, the world's a big place, and uh, majority of my family and everybody has stayed in Minnesota. And I knew right away, since I was a freshman in high school, that I was going to go to college out of state to just expand my horizons a little bit and try to meet new people. Mm-hmm. And uh, not saying that I would never go back. I mean, Minnesota's always going to be home, but uh, I live here, and I'm happy to be a Phoenician now. Okay. And uh, in school, I got a job with the ASU football team in their video department, and that led me to start playing with cameras, and I've turned that into now a 15-year career. Okay, okay. And then, um, so I'm, I'm guessing you didn't go to school for... I did not. Film. I did not. It's funny how that works. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm curious to see what the metrics are on, on people that are actually doing what they went to school for. I got a business and history degree in... Uh, interdisciplinary studies with a focus in business and history and that was basically two minors equals a major okay um and by the time that came around i was already working for the football team and i I knew that i was going to pursue this field if i could and that my degree was just going to be something that was on my resume as something i finished but not necessarily going to elevate me in this business if i had any other degree any degree would work you know just i finished what i started and uh it wasn't going to pertain to what my future was. And I was going to get on the job training. Like by the, you know, by the time I'm 22, 23 graduating, I knew that I had a good base, but the real skills were going to come from, from doing and like getting out and on the job type training. So So let's elaborate on the, on the job training. Film is one of the industries that could really, really Compliment from like an apprenticeship type role. Absolutely, um, and that's that's what I was talk fortunate a bit to about have. Your history in that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, when I started in the business, I was very fortunate, and I jumped in with a production company that did have some infrastructure. They had an office space, editorial suites, uh, you know, as well as full-on production. And okay. the owners of those that company were definitely mentors to me in in the specific things I was getting from them. And I had one other guy who was very much in the practical application. Uh, he was, a, he was a professional camera operator, director of photography, who I was his assistant. And between those three guys, they really laid a foundation in me that 
has set me up for success so far. But what I learned from them was that was physically how to do all the technical side of things, as well as the business side and the relationships and, and the importance of, of passing along the information to the next generation. Because it's like, I showed up with a skill set that was, was just the right fit for these guys to help elevate them. Okay. Because I was able to fill a lot of the gaps that they had as they tried to grow. And so I was a, I felt like I was very much a pillar and I, I took care of a lot of stuff that allowed them to focus on bigger and better things, which meant them getting more jobs, which meant I get, get more got job, more jobs yep. because, you know, and that was a, that's a, I mean, I'm still working with those guys to this day and now we're colleagues, but I mean, that was a good seven year process of being drugged through the mud, you okay. know, and good, bad, a lot of, you know, a lot of things happened. I, I learned so many valuable lessons that I wouldn't have gotten from reading a book or sitting in a class in a film school or something like that. You know, no, no discredit to people that go that route, but for what my future is and there was in this business, I didn't need that hard film school background. And the apprenticeship is definitely what made me successful is getting with those guys to help guide me in my journey. And, you know, now that's what I'm trying to somewhat do now that I've elevated and I'm, I'm sort of where those guys were and the same age as those guys were when yeah. I met them. 15 years ago okay so. all right you said something important seven years right do you mind talking a little bit about patience and mm. um how <laughs> how that plays an effect i like the i like how you know you just met me and you know that patience is a buzzword for me because i don't have any patience <laughs> you can just ask my parents i have zero patience but uh no it it was a the hardest, one of the hardest lessons to learn is that things were going to come in time and that, that just because I, I felt like I hand, had a handle on one thing yeah. didn't mean I, I knew the broad sc- scope of work, you know, and I, that's across all businesses. It's like, you know, you get in there and you have instant success and you think you know it all. Yeah. But then, then you really get, at some point, you know, you get put in your place. And for me, it was about four years into the business. I got put in my place rightfully so uh just because i thought i was advancing faster than i was yeah. and and that was a valuable lesson because it regrounded me refocused me and it allowed me to see maybe a different avenue than i originally thought mm-hmm. not totally under a different umbrella just maybe just a little different path that was going to make me successful because the longer you're in something you, you start to see what's working and what's not working as a general and what's working and what's not working for you personally okay. and when I f- started to really hone in on that and that just comes with maturity not only physically in age but also maturity in years of experience in, a, in an industry and th- and that's been a I like you know hindsight's 2020 you know I may I've made every mistake so many times and and it's it's left me a better person because I've had those failures I've had those those um shortcomings yeah that my mentors definitely helped you know break me down and build me back up and made me a better person and a better now professional in the film and video world because of that okay unless direct the conversation back to the valley mm-hmm. so you mind talking a little bit about the industry in phoenix yeah so the industry in phoenix is is interesting um and just in in general and as, as a whole like a lot of people put everything under the same and, and much like all industries there's very specialized sectors of the film and video whether you do movies mm-hmm. you work on reality television show you do corporate uh you know, storytelling stuff or, or AV work, a lot of that gets blanketed under the same umbrella. Yeah. And even though underneath that, like, we all specialize in certain things. Like, I, I don't have any, I have very little movie experience. I don't aspire to, I don't write screenplays. I don't do a whole lot of cinematic stuff. I do more of documentary work, you know, high-end storytelling, corporate storytelling, long format, um, informational type stuff yeah and occasionally I dabble into the commercial style uh, of that production you know like documentary style commercials or high-end energy sports type commercials okay is that's what I do and in the valley being the fifth largest city in the nation we have outlets 
all over for film and the film and video and and is it as grand as LA no way with the movie side of things but our corporate side is very robust and there is outlets for quite a few people lots of people here in town that make a living doing what I do okay I saw a statistic the other day that in my field uh, we're, we're mostly a, a band of gypsies as I say but 85% of personnel in the film and video umbrella blanket there works for themselves we are all independent contractors so it's a slew of of individuals yeah. that come together and help produce whatever the content need may, needs may be okay and so that's it's it's just interesting that it's a small little network of people and granted there's there's companies and bigger th- entities all that but in phoenix the people that have been in the business the longest are generally independent contractors mm-hmm so, and for me, I'm a, I'm a hired gun some days, but I'm also a production company some days. And, and when I swell up to be a production company, that means I'm calling upon my other colleagues, my other freelancers, independent contractors here in town to come work alongside of me for this one day, two day, five day job, whatever it is for a short, finite project. Okay. And so the, the film and video world is, is made up of independent contractors working project to project or gig to gig so yeah. that, that gig economy that we're, we're slowly or maybe fast now moving in towards <laughs> you know yeah but okay. it's, it offers a ton of flexibility um monday through friday nine to five means nothing in our world you know we are we are whenever wherever the work happens yeah yep <laughs> and uh you know overnights uh early morning sunrises it's like we have a joke where it's like, oh, it's so glorious to be in the film industry when it's 3.30 in the morning and it's 25 degrees and you're dying outside waiting for the sun to rise. You know, it's like yeah. there's nothing glorious about standing outside waiting for the sun to rise at 3 in the morning until you hit record and you watch it back and then, then you see what it was all worth. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. And it's so- a thriving community here in Phoenix, too. I mean, the, okay. the, I am not alone. There's hundreds of people here in town making a living doing it. There's the world's starving for content, and Phoenix is a place that has 330 days of sunshine, so there's a lot of filming opportunities year-round, and there's a lot of corporate companies here that need content, and they need it locally, people that live here to help provide that. It's not like you can afford to fly somebody in from New York all the time. You know, yeah. once a year, maybe, sure, but, like, there's a lot of boots on the ground here. Okay. you mind describing a little bit about being the practitioner versus being the manager mm. and the orchestrator <laughs> yes i would say that i'm uh, in my infancy of that um okay i am definitely a technician by trade and and i have the skills to execute and now my main focus over the last you know four or five years has been to switch into that business owner hat and be more in the managerial side of things and like i said we're bringing in other independent contractors much like myself yeah and so it is about maintaining relationships with your crew first and foremost because no matter who you're working for if you don't have good people working with you you're never going to accomplish what you need to accomplish and so maintaining a relationship with people that want to work with you Mm -hmm. is of the utmost importance and then from there if you have a solid team around you for whatever the size or scale of the job that needs to be then it's about servicing clients and we're in the customer service industry and you know our job is to give the client the best experience possible while acquiring uh, the content that they want yeah. and then delivering it and, and showing them, hey, this was worth it. This is what it's doing for you. And, you know, hopefully we see the success from there. Okay. But the relationship side of thing is what as a now a, a business owner and somebody who is in that managerial director sort of position, it's been essential to keep lines of communication open just like in any industry, to, in order to have the best success possible for our clients. Film is art, right? Yeah. And people say art is usually never finished. So how do, you, <laughs> how do you manage or define success in that capacity? When yes. you're dealing with clients, when you're dealing with the project? Hmm. Success in this industry and and success for me individually is being rehired. Okay. Like that is my number one metrics. That's how I know I did a good job. That's how I know my client's happy. You know, being rehired or, you know, 
asked back, yeah. you know, is, <laughs> is, uh, is as close as we're going to get. We don't get gold stars and ribbons in our, in our yeah. industry. Um, a lot of times you do work for a client, whether you've worked with them before or not, and you don't hear anything from them. That's a good thing. Cause you only hear from them if, if something bad happened or yeah. something was wrong in the end. So, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. That's how you define it? That's okay. A, that's how I define I mean, being rehired. You know, it's like, yeah. it's a... The artistic world is filled with people that have their own aspirations and their own ideas, and then we have to come together and melt it all together to give a final product mm-hmm. that hopefully everybody's happy with. It makes it very complicated sometimes uh, in order to, to accomplish that because there are a lot of different ideas, a lot of different layers yeah. to the artistic end of it. You know, technical is technical. That's kind of more a black and white thing. The artistic world is is multicolored and, you know, there's a lot of opinions. Sometimes there's too many chiefs. Sometimes there's not enough chiefs, you know, driving the ship. So it's success is when the client is happy. happy. Whether okay. or not I'm fully happy or not, or the budget runs out, and this is as good as that we could do with the time and the, and the resources that we had. If the client's happy, I'm happy, no matter what. Okay. Okay. Um, back to the valley. You mentioned that there's a lot of different corporations. Mm-hmm. In my process with the show, I found that there's several different areas from small, mid-size, large-size companies. How do you think that played an effect as Phoenix begins to grow? And then, what are your hopes for the future of mm-hmm. Phoenix, both from a personal perspective and the business? Yeah, I mean, I, being here since 2000, I've seen a whole lot of change in the valley. <laughs> um, it was. You know, very wild west, a lot of mom and pops, you know, that sort of style. And we have had major corporate influx into here. A lot of infrastructure, a lot of jobs have come here, which is good for the valley, right? So more people, the economic drivers of those those major corporations coming into town, dropping off a a regional headquarters or something that puts 15,000 people to work, that's never a bad thing for anybody. And I see that the valley has, you know, we swelled out. And, and spread the definition of urban sprawl. And now things are refocusing and kind of coming back in. So uh, some of the mom and pop shops have been swallowed up in the, in that process. It, 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 I don't know if this is the right definition, of, but it's kind of that gentrification sort of style of things. And it's good and it's bad, you know. Yeah. But I think that the, the growth that we've experienced in Phoenix in general in the business world over the last 20 years is tremendous. And it, there's there's really no end in sight. You know, I mean, the, the population is growing here so fast. And as the population grows, all the services and industry that needs to support a growing city is growing along with it. Okay. So for me personally, you know, when business is good in the Valley, business is good for me because uh, my business relates around other companies' success generally. Okay. You know, people, when they get a taste of success or they're doing well, then they got a little extra money to do a little bit more marketing, you know, and, and the marketing side of things in turn, you know, you reinvest into your business, business. gets you higher returns. Yeah. So, and I've, I've witnessed that with not only my own clients, but of course all over the Valley. Okay. Okay. And then professionally, do you have any aspirations for the future? Maybe 15, 20 years, you want to be a huge production company. Yeah. You want to <laughs> have several employees. What, yeah. what does that look like for you? I am, I would never say that I've topped off ever. Like, I mean, there's, if you stop growing or you stop learning, you're going to be dead in the water real fast. And I've learned that in this industry too. You know, it's that there's a lot of flavor of the month in the artistic field, whether it's Mm -hmm. video, whatever, it doesn't matter, but you're in and you're out. So if you don't adapt and mold and stay with the trends and stay up with what people are expecting, the expectations of clients, Mm -hmm. you're not going to get rehired. So my goal personally is to stay in tune with what sort of content people are consuming and then be able to technically deliver on that. Okay. And whether that is me by myself or me with 20 of my closest freelancing buddies, I'm good with either one, you know? And I I like, as much as I like doing the 20-person cruise, that is a huge mental... (laughs) <laughs> drain on a single individual and now yeah. granted I bring in people to help me with a lot of logistics and things like that which I couldn't do it without them but there's a lot of days where I just love the fact like tonight I'm going to film the Suns game you know like I film for uh, internal stadium like the Jumbotron I'm one of the camera guys that shoots for the Jumbotron mm-hmm. I love it it's you know just the game I don't have to think about much I don't have yeah. any clients to to 
appease, you know, I zoom and I focus and I'm a technician tonight. So it's the balance between, for me, having enough creative outlets that it satisfies that hunger in me, but also enough solidarity and just technical days where I show up and I do what I do and then I go home and I don't think about it when I go home. Yeah. And if I can maintain the balance and the, and the ratio of what I have right now, I'm going to be pretty happy. I mean, I, I always say if I start complaining about my, my business, it's like you feel free to, to whop me one because it's not, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm really happy with where I'm at. Yeah. Um, I think that if I could continue on the path that I'm doing, and, and I work with a lot of direct-to-client sort of relationships, um, and I like to be able to, I don't want to say get vested in a company, but like, you know, work alongside a company, especially one that's coming off the ground or, or growing, and help them develop solidarity and become a better piece of the, the Phoenix business as a whole. You know, whatever the industry may be, from okay. online platforms to CrossFit gyms to, <laughs> to anything and everything, you know. And I like seeing other clients' success from the work that I've done. And if I can continue just having those sorts of successes, I'm, I'm going to be a super happy man. Okay. And I think, it, you know, it, there again, it's like it's almost the vice versa. Like if business is good for me and I'm doing good business, in turn, that's going to help elevate all the other businesses that I work for in the, in the Phoenix business community as a whole. So that's my goal is just to be a value added member of the Phoenix business community. Okay. All right. Uh, you mentioned the adaptation. So how you how you feel social media? Mm. Um it's all these different platforms yeah. have changed things, one. And then two, where you see the evolution of those things going, right? Because yeah. people are wanting content on demand <laughs> now. It's unbelievable how much the world is starving for content in every single facet. Mm -hmm. And as instantaneous as we can make it. Um, I came into this business at the HD sort of revolution, you know, uh, there was a little bit of actual film still happening, especially in cinema, but the digital shift has changed everything because of the ability for delivery speed, mm -hmm. as well as putting very high quality equipment in people's hands that, you know, if you know how to hit a button, you can run this camera. It's not like you're physically loading emulsion, and those, those were some other skills that are slowly fading away, unfortunately, but it is the foundation of the business. But it's allowed people to produce content and high quality content yeah. way easier than it's ever been done in the past. Two sides to that, you know, it's good and it's bad. You know, it's bad because people are saying some of the quality is going down, there's not the same checks and balances. But it's also good because we're allowed to service the people that need the content, mm -hmm. you know? Um, if we were shooting everything on film still, I mean, A, the costs are so astronomical, but B, the turnaround time and all that stuff, you couldn't shoot a video and then have it posted an hour later like you can now in the digital world. Yeah. So how that's shifted technically for us is that we pay so much more attention now to what's in the frame before we even hit record as far as framing and where it's gonna be distributed so early on in the process no matter what the the job is we always are trying to figure out what the deliverables where are you going to be putting this okay. it used to be we're shooting a commercial that's going to run broadcast for three months right and that's it and that's yep. it <laughs> <laughs> that does not happen anymore i promise you <laughs> now it's you know we're shooting this to help launch a web campaign that ties in with you know a facebook thing or oh Make sure that you're center cropped or you have enough spacing that we can crop this in to be the aspect ratio of a vertical portrait phone. Yeah. Those are some very difficult asks to, to shoot for both. That's, <laughs> that's what clients are asking for because that's what the need is. So we're out now, yeah, we're shooting a commercial, but like that might not even be the most important thing we're doing. It might yeah. be most important that this is the launch and the, the header for some Instagram live videos that launch this big campaign. And then the, the, the commercial is just kind of the caveat of the whole thing. Yeah. So the way that... It's the party. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's Snapchat and yeah. <laughs> Instagram Live. Is and that's and the best way to you. get more business. And like for me as an artist is to be putting that stuff out there. Instagram is more or less our portfolio now. Like I, I do mo only video, but I know still drivers. It's like that is your resume now. And if they see you and you're putting out content yeah. every week... 
and it shows you working like people are like oh that's what this guy does they they can visually connect and it's like i want to work with this guy because he has umpteen thousand followers or something like that mm-hmm. good and bad to everything you know you're able to mask some stuff and make you look bigger than you really are or vice versa somebody like me who who doesn't really have a harness on it i, I understand it but i don't do enough of it because it's not in my nature yeah um but the 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 social media side of thing in the deliverable like now our content is everywhere there are no rules to where the things that we produce can be put you know there's yeah. so many outlets now that is is great you know again it's it's more outlets more content needed more you need ben hd okay that makes sense where do you see the future of that going huh <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. I mean, I think we're, we're the same age or, or generally, and it's like we know we have that encyclopedia sort of foundation, foundation yeah. but we, we know <laughs> how to use the Internet. And so I, I am not a futurist in that sort of sense. Like, I, I don't know where it's going to go. To me, it's limitless. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, people are watching stuff on their, on their watch, you know, looking at content on their, their smart watches now. The connectivity, it's like pretty soon that stuff's just going to be beamed into our brain whether we want to or not. So <laughs> it's hard to say, but I, I, I know that it's going to be high quality, instantaneous content delivered in the highest volume that we can do it. Okay. And sky's the limit, you know. The 3D sort of thing, like those are fads, you know, like, but the, the high definition, 4K, like these other technical sort of deliverables are the things that aren't fads like the quality is increasing yeah the ability for for layman to get high quality image is increasing Mm -hmm. so therefore it requires us as the professionals to stay on that same pace and increase our skill set and and what we can offer so that we don't fall into like well i can just shoot this on my iphone you know like because that there's a definite difference in the quality that you get when you hire a professional and develop marketing uh, schemes versus just hey I'm going to shoot some some behind the scenes stuff or, or I'm going to shoot my own little advertising videos or even like real estate videos and just run around on my on my iPhone it's yeah. if that's not saying that that's bad there, there are some points where like that's more effective than something that's polished because it feels more authentic Yeah. but when it comes to hard marketing and trying to squeeze results out of, out of what you're investing into the the mm-hmm. professional quality is going to be better than anything that we can pull out of our pocket and do so mm-hmm. it's just maintaining a balance between what people find authentic and what people are expecting to see when they're advertised to okay there's been a, a blurred line you know like you, you see like that fry festival and stuff where social media is super super powerful and super influential and it's like when it's not harnessed properly or yeah. it, it can get out of control in wildfire. So that's that's a very open question. It's hard, it's hard to know. My hope is that it stays and is utilized as a platform to deliver high quality advertisement, propaganda-esque sort of content mm-hmm. to, you know, bring success to whoever it is being produced for alright said a couple things I want to target on the misconception piece right Mm -hmm. so what are some of the common misconceptions about you mentioned that they bucket everything into film as one Mm -hmm. but what are some other ones in terms of film industry and then also just for you personally biggest misconception in the film industry that I see on a, on a daily basis and very simple is that they think it's going to take an hour and there's going to be one dude with a light on his camera and you're going to have this beautiful commercial, you yeah. know, it's kind of that champagne dreams on a Schlitz budget. Like if you want something that is at the level of a reference video you send me and it's like, if you're sending me a reference video, that's a hundred thousand dollars to produce that commercial and you have a thousand dollars, like there's a huge mm-hmm. gap. And I don't think people fully understand what it takes in the level of coordination. Filming is expensive, right? The equipment rental and all that is expensive. So being prepared and having a plan takes time. And that's when the best shoots happen or when you execute a plan that is well-developed. So 
there's a lot of questions there's a lot of pre-production that goes into a commercial shoot or even just a, a corporate shoot mm -hmm. and I think that's one where people like are like oh boy what did I sign up for so that's like they don't realize what goes into it and, and this is you know like a layman client like you know anybody in the industry they learn very quickly how much it takes to, to make things happen and it's it's a small army of very specialized people that show up and all have specific roles and all have specific jobs and it's been done like that since the inception because that's what it takes and if you cut corners it's not you're gonna sacrifice somewhere yeah. you know and then this biggest conception about me is that people think I do weddings or something it's like I, I, I don't do that and I and I have a baseline of quality of work that I will take you know yeah. I don't I'm fortunate enough now after being 15 years freelancing successfully that I don't have to take every single job that comes across my my phone or my desk or whatever mm -hmm. and in the artistic sense it's like I want to have some control over what my name is tagged on to yep. and so if somebody wants like well how come you won't come out and just do this for me and it's like well because that's not what I do like let me get you somebody that is more specialized as we were talking earlier even just because I'm under that umbrella it doesn't mean I can shoot your movie for you yeah. or I'm not going to come and you know, f film a, a presentation or something, you know, a lecture or something. That's just, just, that's just not in my realm. There are people that do that and they do that very well. That's just not in my realm. Yeah. Um, and that, and that, the overall, the another huge misconception is that that just anybody can do it. Just because, you know, your your nephew has a handy cam and, and an editorial uh, or edit suite on his computer doesn't mean he's going to be able to shoot you a commercial campaign that's going to be representative of your business. business yeah. um, and that's what, you know, like any trade, it's like you're not going to hire some random dude off the street to come and do wiring of your house or plumbing work. You know, it's yeah. like you need a, a professional that has an understanding of the whole scope of things in order to produce the content that's going to be most effective for you. And for me, big big thing that I'm working on is staying up to date with what the the social media and how things are being delivered, and that's just as important for me. And that's what you're paying for. You're paying for what I know, yeah. not necessarily what I do that one day just for you. But like, yeah, sure, maybe I'm just showing up and hitting record. But like, I know how to light things. I know how to deliver things. I know how things should be said in a marketing uh, voice. You know, so I can bring a lot of other things to the table. As well as all the people that I hire, like, and you know, when it's out of my realm, I'm never the smartest guy in the room. So it's like I always try to surround myself with very specialized people who can help in the whole process. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now that makes sense. Um, We're only as good so, as our team, too, <laughs> yeah. you know? So. Yeah. But attached to that, you have highly technical skills of working individuals. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming turnover is high. How do you manage determining whether or not somebody's skills are where you need them to be um, in hiring? Um, like you said, you don't always keep a set employee. So right. what does that look like when determining whether or not somebody's fit to do the job, where to place them, how mm -hmm. to um, assign them to this? Yeah. For, for the, like I said, most of us are all independent contractors. So mm -hmm. we are advocates for ourselves and the, re the internal referral sort of recommendations is essential to maintaining that job pool since like we all work on our own schedule some of my my go-to's might not be available so i'll get down the list and i i asked them like who is the closest person to you that could fill your shoes for the day okay and generally you know like with a previous relationship with somebody they know what i expect out of my shoots and everybody works slightly different you know and it's you know the ultimate things that you just bare minimum that you need is a, is a work ethic you know a diligent work ethic and you need to be happy to be there whether yeah. you are or not and I've struggled with that my whole life like if I'm not into it it shows all over my face <laughs> even though I'm still doing my job as a professional like yeah. I'm there's no lapse in the service I'm giving I'm just not doing it with a smile but the body language the right. smile I got you and it's though that's been very hard for me because I'm extremely passionate about what I do and I really want to do good work for my clients and for myself because then I get repeat business where I can keep hiring 
other independent contractors to come with me. So when somebody works with me for the first time, it's like they're going to get a very quick glimpse. Like I, I don't do well with people who are extremely green. Mm-hmm. Like I, I venture to, to steer away from that a little bit. Not that I can't give people a chance, but I'm doing stuff in a level and one of my pillars in my business is efficiency. And that's usually the, the small but mighty, the least amount of people that can do the maximum amount of work. And it's like, I'd rather have one guy for $500 a day that can do six jobs as opposed to two people that can do two jobs a piece, and, but they're only $250 a day. You know, yeah. so like, that's just my business model. Like I said, you need to care about what we're doing that day. I'm only asking for a day or two of your mental capacity. Yeah. And then you go off to your other project, I go off to my other project, but we need to be hyper-focused when we're working for our clients. And that's why we get paid. We, get, we have a decent... Um, Nobody's on salary, but we all have a decent rate and wage that we work for in the professional world. And my expectations are that that I'm going to get that out of you. Like if I'm hiring you for that, like you're gonna you're gonna give it to me. And if you don't give it to me, then good luck. I'm I'm not the right person that you want to work with, and you're not the right person that I want to work with. So be it. And if all that happens behind the scenes and the client never knows, then then it's all good. If we have issues where something happens in front of a client or there's there's problems, then then we deal with it just like you would with any other. But we don't have HR departments on anything, you know. <laughs> so it's a um, as somebody who lives and works in the gig economy, it's the the customer service, the golden rule, as we say. Uh, whoever's got the gold, it's their rule. So whoever's paying you is the rules that you play by that day. Okay. And and you know, within the first day, you're gonna no matter who you're working for, you're going to get a good sense of, of what you need to bring to the table in order to be successful and rehired. Okay. All right. Um, Long-winded. It's fine. (laughs) To that, if somebody was to follow you, what would be some of the key takeaways you'd want to walk away with? That this is a fun industry. Ultimately, like I feel extremely, extremely fortunate that (laughs) I'm wearing a t-shirt and jeans I don't have to shave every day, but I can still produce and, and, and be in a very corporate high level conduction of my business. And it's an artistic field. You know, it's like, we should be very thankful that we get to do this for a living. Mm -hmm. And I am, and I'm surrounded by some other people that, and I try to surround myself with people that share that same mentality because it is, it's like, ultimately you're going to work with somebody who you want to work with more than you somebody that's technically perfect for the job because a you lesson that I, them, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I was really good and I wasn't good to be around for, for a little short period. And once I got that straightened out, everything got better. And I think that all personnel through, no matter what industry you're in, it's kind of, that's a normal sort of progression. And if you Still can <laughs> hash it out to be, to be happy with it, that's, that's ultimately, but takeaways from working with me is that you're going you're gonna to show up and you're going to be a professional. You're going to do the best job that you can do in the time that you're hired. And then you're going to go home. And I'm not going to hound you. I'm not going to bother you. Like it's work is work and life is life. And some people in my business, their work is their life. And then other people just moonlight, you know. So yeah. there's always a variety of, of things. But like I want somebody to take away the fact that you can be successful if you stick to your pillars of what has made you successful. Okay. Now that makes sense. And be on time. <laughs> our, our business is very clockwork. You know, we schedule things out down to the minutes sometimes, yeah. you know, and it's like if you're not there when you need to be, you can send a ripple effect. So if you're an in, you'd say you're interning or you're working as a production assistant for me and you think it's acceptable to be 15 minutes late with the morning coffee yeah. that we're going to have our meeting around and, and then all of a sudden you got... 10 people looking at you like where are you and the whole day then shifts and by the end of the day you're maybe an hour behind schedule which ends cost me thousands of dollars in overtime and all that stuff that's just not acceptable we are paid well to be on point at all times you're having a bad day don't let anybody know yeah keep that keep that stuff aside it's an emotionless sort of mentality but like i said passion like I, i i you need to have a passion for whatever it is that you do and if, you know, whether that's accounting or working in the library or producing film and video, like mm-hmm. you, you should be passionate about what you do. Okay. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. You mentioned something about learning 
and having turn points? Are there specific influential events that helped you with figuring out the emotional side of building the relationships with people or maybe gaining a new sense around patience? Were there any kind of key events you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I'm not going to go into the specifics, but just in general, there was when, and it's weird, it's like you don't, you rarely, so very few, you get, you never get fired in this industry. You just don't get called back. Or you find out, oh, they hired somebody else instead of you that's last time. And I had a spurt where, where you could tell that I wore thin on people and a lot of, you know, you're working side by side with people and it's, you could tell that I, these are, these are some of the most important people to me financially because they're bringing me business and I'm not being a pleasure to work with. It has nothing to do with the work that I'm doing. I'm just not a pleasure to work with or fun to be around because I'm so hyper-focused. I'm so into my world and forgetting about other aspects and other people and other things that are going on. Mm -hmm. So when that happened, I really had to look inside and that's when I decided to invest into myself because that is ultimately what was going to make me the most happy is if I had more control of my future yeah. and like how my business and how I, how I would be in business and what I would do. And, you know, that was a probably a two-year process when I started buying stuff. I bought a van, a much <laughs> smaller van. This is, the, this is Gen 2. The, yeah. the first one was called the Torpedo. It was the <laughs> short little one, and this one's now silver. But... And I, and I started seeking my own clients because I ultimately was most happy when I'm the one that's having the relationship because then I can't blame anybody else. I can't yeah. be mad at anybody else. And I'm always my harshest critic on myself. So I saw that direction and that was a potential outlet for me to go. And doing that, I couldn't even begin to try to, to go that direction if I didn't check myself on those issues that I was having with communication, patience, you know, expectations of what other people, you know, like I'm going to expect a very high level out of myself. And it, I thought, well, shit, if that's what I expect on myself, that's what I expect out of everybody. And that's if, if they're not giving that to me, then, then, you know, like, yeah, that's not good. You can't, you can't, I'm not saying you lower your expectations, but you just got to understand that not everybody's going to produce at the same level that I'm capable of, and that's okay if they're doing their job to the best of their ability. Yeah. That makes sense. Makes sense. It was, it was a tough lesson, and I'm still learning it to this day, of course, but I, ultimately it's, it's about being a good person to be around, and it took me a long time to, okay. to engage into that side of the business because the technical stuff came easy. Like, yeah. I got that down. I know where the what the buttons do and all that stuff. But the piece, people, the relationships, the communication, especially, I mean, communication as in all industries, if there was better communication, every single business would run better. You know? Yeah. Like, no matter what. So, yeah. yeah. And this day and age, too, with the electronics and the, the uh, email chains and, like, I'm a phone call guy. I'm a talker. Like, that's my bread and butter. If I can talk to somebody face-to-face... Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna be in a much better position than if we go back and forth with ten emails yeah. <laughs> before we actually have a conversation. So once we have a conversation, then hey, then you get my tone. You know, all those things are lost in the in the digital communications. It's tone, inflections, passion, yeah. all that stuff. And but that's just, there's no going back at this point. No, you know, it's that's not. that's the world we live in. And uh, yeah, you that's, said something that was interesting around the the term of happiness, right? So you made that change to grow your personal business. I'm assuming before you were doing a lot more working with other people, working mm-hmm. on other projects. Um, what were some of the, the key things that made you successful, right? Because there's a lot of people who try to grow their own personal business yeah. and they hit walls, mm-hmm. right? What were some of the things that you think uh, made you successful in finding that happiness and ultimately building a huge reputation? Yeah. Timing. Okay. And my wife <laughs> talking me off a ledge n- okay. numerous times. Um, it was the development of patience. As a freelancer, the worst thing is when your phone doesn't ring. Yeah. 
but sometimes that's okay because it gives you the time to focus on bettering yourself, to position yourself to get that next job that you want. Yeah. Like if I'm just, like I got to the point where I was just work, 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 work. I never developed what I thought my future entity would be. And it's like, I'm, Ben HD is me, you know, clearly in the name. I have other people that I bring in, but like, I didn't want it to be Ben Sharp, like the camera assistance company. I want Ben HD to be a full service production, scalable production company, whether it is just me or it's me and my friends, but we can be flexible and be part of what people want to hire. I don't know. It's the, the success came or the, the overcoming of the hurdles just came in time and learning to just know that the next job is on the horizon. If I've positioned myself in the right place, I've met the right people. I've networked with the right people. There's no sitting in your house thinking that it's just going to happen. You have to get out there. You have to talk to people. That's why I still shoot one of my, you know, I shoot for the in-house uh, jumbotrons and stuff. It's because it puts me out there. I see other professionals in my industry. Oh yeah, hey, what are you doing next Tuesday? Boom, there's my next job. Just because I I was at a sporting event. Yeah. You know, out of sight, out of mind is is a real thing in this industry. So the happiness came when I was <laughs> when I got more control. Okay. And I'm a control freak. You know, I have, like I said, a lot of passion, a lot of competitive juices. I saw success early on because of the way I went about producing shoots on my own. Yeah. And you, you, all the lessons learned over the years of, of from other people, what I took away from them, and I was able to instill and kind of, we say trim the fat, you yeah. know, like inefficiencies are, are something that makes me lose my mind faster than anything um so happiness came when i when i really established a core group of other individuals that i was able to produce content with that i was proud of yeah okay Alrighty. last question uh what do you have kind of promotional to say ad spot about ben hd film in general in phoenix your personal brand yeah uh film in phoenix in general this is this will probably be a long one here for you but i mean it's okay. it's a thriving community and we there is a a lot of talented people here in phoenix that can help you from whatever size of production scale thing that you need and it shouldn't be a difficult process mm-hmm. when you get the right people in line and and I feel like the way that the world is going faster, cheaper, quicker, all that sort of thing, you know, like budgets are shrinking, expectations are growing, mm-hmm. and you need to still maintain a level of professionalism with the people that you are hiring in order to, to get the maximum out of your project. The future for the film industry, it's hard to say what it is, but it will always be there. I mean, we are in a world now where there there are so many outlets for it. And being able to be flexible inside of that is going to be essential to the to the future of the strength of especially Phoenix's film community because it's different. Being so close yeah. to L.A., there's all those major stuff. But, like, we have our own niche, niche of things here that, that we do very, very well. And there's personnel here in town whether it's me or somebody like me that can do a lot with a little. Yeah. And then there's, you know, the sky's the limit. You know, it's like, um, it's uh, fast, cheap, or good. You know, pick two. Those are those are sort of essential, like the, uh, not essential, they're the, the description of when you go into a job. It's like, you know, what do you got? You know, if you got all three, we're going to make some magic. Yeah. If you got two, we're going to do a pretty dang good job. If you only got one of those, well, we're gonna do the best we can. Yeah. And the the thing is, is like we'd be amazed at, at how powerful small, little, high quality content can do for a business. You know, my metrics, like I was saying, is repeat business. But it's like I don't I don't have hard data on like focus groups and stuff. But like my my client says, we got 150 more followers that day that we posted your video work. Mm-hmm. Oh. 
there's a great metrics. You know, business is growing because yeah. that we're doing our part in doing a good job. And for me personally with Ben HD is that I want to continue to help elevate Phoenix and other small businesses here in Phoenix because that's what I am. And if there's anything that I can do to help showcase a business from whatever it may be, nonprofit, all that sort of thing, if I can tell their story and help elevate their business, mm. I'm gonna be happy as can be. Like that's 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 my goal and I think is what somebody like me, an owner operator, a small but mighty uh, business entity can do for other companies. Because mm -hmm. the, the, the major marketing firm sort of style is changing. You know, a lot of marketing companies now have internal production uh, personnel inside of it. So the way that I get, you know, that way, the way that we do business sometimes is they, the internal company will hire a couple of professionals to help them produce a higher level content. Mm -hmm. You know, so however I and whatever sort of facet I'm being engaged into, I just want to be there to hit the hit the record button and, and produce the highest level quality of content that will hopefully in turn help a business. All right. Thank you, Ben, for being on the show. Avery, absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. I'd love to do this again at any point, And uh, hopefully we see the success of uh, Phoenix businesses keep going the direction that it's going. Well, everybody, that concludes our fourth episode. I'm so grateful for all the listens I get, all the shares, everybody commenting and liking us on our social media pages. Please, please, if you have any questions or you have any recommendations or you'd like to nominate somebody for a show, even if it's a single person operation like myself or a hundred person operation, Shoot me their contact information. Hit me up on social media. Just reach out. Um, I'm definitely down to talk about the show, answer any questions or concerns or any ideas. Thank you once again, and I will see you next week. Mm -hmm.